making sure my ringer's off. I don't want to be the guy. All right, I'll open in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, this is the day that the Lord has made, and we rejoice. You know all of our gladness, and you know all of our sorrows. And you promise one day that when we uh, come back to Zion, when Christ claims us as his own, we will know great rejoicing, and sorrows and sadness will be wiped away. We look forward to that day. And uh, we ask that your spirit would be with us to teach us this morning as we look at a man who uh, prefigures Christ and uh, a mystery of a man in some ways. But please give us excitement and delight in this man that you have seen fit to record in your scriptures. I ask this in your name. Amen. So before we turn to our text of study, I should provide a couple hints for you to guess who we're studying. For those of you who don't already know, I've told a couple people uh, out of excitement. So if you can hold back. <laughs> All right, two descriptors to start. One, he was a prophet. And two, he's known for prophesying judgment uh, on the ungodly for slanderous words spoken against God. Start out hopefully general enough. Get a couple good guesses. Any, any ideas? John the Baptist, good guess, not quite. Rob, was that a hand? You want to guess? Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> no, all right, I'll drill down. Uh, lived before Samuel. Nathan? No. Um, type of Christ, I said that already. He's in the Hebrews 11 Hall of Faith. And he was said to have pleased God. Not Abraham. Final hint, he did not die. He did not die. Enoch. Okay. All right, so we got there. Uh, yeah, so Enoch. Enoch's our man. And there's not much there, so I hope, I hope we're able to stir up some excitement by digging in in a different way. We don't have a lot of narrative, but we'll start out in Hebrews, Hebrews 11. If I can get someone to read as we turn to Hebrews 11. It'll be a short passage. Verses 5 and 6, any takers? Mom. This is strong foreshadowing for the uh, themes of today's lesson. We can't talk about Enoch without talking about his faith, and much less the one who gives him that faith. Um, so that's thousands of years later. Let's turn to Genesis and get the even shorter story. Genesis chapter 5, but we'll read uh, verses 22 to 27. Any other takers? 
you could read that for us before I start asking. Kathy. Genesis chapter 5, verses 22 to 27. Thank you. So this was the age of very, very old men. And if, uh, if today's standards hold true, just to, you've got to speculate and wonder how old the ladies lived. Just saying. We won't know until we get to, uh, to heaven. <clears throat> Who was the oldest man? Methuselah. What, a, what an age. <laughs> 969 years. I want to get some context and some history uh, before we dig in, because this was a kind of a little-known time. We don't have much information about it. We have a packed history of Adam's life in the fall, and you guys are pretty well acquainted with that. We'll touch on some points as we go through, but I want to build up to Enoch and kind of settle ourselves into that time in history. 622 years after Adam, this is when... Uh, Enoch is born, <clears throat> 622 years after Adam was made. Um, was Adam still alive? Yes, he was. So that's, that's amazing. We have a figure. How many years into his life? 622 years. Imagine that wisdom and those family reunions. Uh, Adam, not a figurative character, but a real man. 1 Corinthians 15, 45, thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. And um, we'll talk more about that later. <laughs> so uh, how old is the U.S. by comparison to these, these patriarchs? 242 years? That's, that's small fry. <laughs> that's what? Two-thirds of Enoch's life. So that's a small, and imagine what happened in those years. <clears throat> we hear of technology uh, from developing under the, the sons of the sons of the sons of Cain. Uh, and that must have been exciting. Metal being formed, metal work, woodwork, tools. Uh, but you can imagine that there was some trouble that came with that as men you know, turned towards wickedness and away from God. Something else to note is that Enoch is in the seventh recorded generation. And this is a number that is, as we know, numerology is an important number in Jewish history. It's something to keep track of, and we'll look at another seventh in that time period a little later as well. <clears throat> 308 years of life shared with Adam. What do you think that, if they cross paths, and again, we don't know with certainty, what sort of relationship would that have been like? What sort of, what knowledge would have been conveyed in those days? 
That's right, for better or for worse. <laughs> and Enoch pleased God. He would have been a blessing to this great, 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 great grandfather. And, uh, but Cain, on the other hand, we know the, the mess that came of Cain's line. Born to Jared when he was 162 years old, and he was taken when Jared was 527. So I could keep spitting out numbers. Uh, Seth, the son of Adam, was still alive when Enoch was taken up. So we have this, these connections, this web. And if you've ever seen those great chronologies with the huge fold-out pages, you can see the lines of the patriarchs. And it, sometimes it doesn't sink in when you're looking at hundreds and hundreds of years. But here we have it. Is there uh, so much to, to consider? What do we know about the state of the earth in those days from the scriptures? Historically speaking, what, is, what has taken place? What is the lay of the land? Cain roamed the earth. Geographically, I don't know if anyone can speak to where folks had settled, but you get this image of Cain wandering and not being, and being far off. How about uh, languages? One language. So here's a question for the kids. Who here knows two languages among you? Has anyone studied multiple languages? How about the adults? Anyone bilingual here? I see a one hand, don't be ashamed. Anyone else? <clears throat> There's something that comes with the territory of the modern day and age where people can't understand each other. But when you do, when you're in that room with somebody speaking a different language, and you, and you finally connect, you're relating uh, through a barrier that was once there. There's, maybe there are some cultural barriers developing at this time. No language barriers, except for maybe uh, mumblers and different vernacular slang. Uh, the firstborn son of Adam killed his second born. That's the legacy. Presumably, yeah, the second man killed the third man. And this is, if that doesn't make it down through the, uh, from mouth to mouth, I don't know what does, what would. So imagine that. And at this point, animals were slaughtered. That's something that, that Abel brought an offering. So they knew what it was for animals to kill animals, to kill an animal, but here it is. The second man kills the third man. I want to talk about that a little bit because we need to come and, oh, Dave. Mm-hmm. It's ripe. <clears throat> There's a significance to that. Born in blood and kills in blood. Kill, you know, takes the life of his younger brother out of jealousy. I want to talk about this a little bit, and we'll eventually come to the bad Lamech. Lamech, uh, not the good one we read about. 
These two men, Cain and Abel, were giving offerings to the Lord. And Cain exhibits anger at God's judgment. Very simple terms. There aren't many people around at this time, unless there are daughters and however this worked out. And yet God gives a judgment. He makes a call. The God who made man. And Cain is angry at it. The Lord says, why are you angry and why is your face fallen? You see, God knows. He can read the mind of Cain. If you do well, will you not be accepted? Did Cain then act uh, on a desire to do well after this God who made the universe gives him the formula? And what was provoked in him by God? Evil, his fallen nature, his propensity, his, his dislike of God. No one seeks after God. Yeah, so, uh, and he, he didn't, and he couldn't do it on his own. God gives ownership of our sins directly into our hands. If you do well, um, <clears throat> but he doesn't always give the ability to turn from sin. No one seeks after God. This is what we hear from the psalmist, and we hear it from Romans 3, 10 through 12. No one is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. And what a proof when Cain hears from God. And he's, he's heard the stories of, presumably, if Adam has done his duty, he's heard the stories, or Eve, of God talking with, with Adam and the serious nature of that. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. God gives ownership of our sins directly into our hands, and he counts them against us. So at this point in time, hopefully um, without bogging down with history, but looking ahead from, from Enoch, look how soon the earth is drowned in judgment as kind of a sad proof an execution of judgment against the sad disobedience of God's people. Excuse me, of man who he made. <clears throat> yes.
certainly, as a contrast, probably the closest. It's too bad that they couldn't raise children in Eden to at least have an account of what that looks like for us. And we're just left to wonder with Jesus' behavior after he was grown and raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But you may have tried yourself to imagine what it was like raising Jesus, which, you know... <clears throat> Yeah, the trouble is that doesn't mean that it's easy for the parents because of our sinful nature. So this curse that's levied against Cain is pretty harsh, and now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. These, again, if Adam and Eve have done their their diligence, they've told these words again and again to their children and their children's children. Imagine Adam's response when he hears that ghastly similarity between this curse and the curse that he himself felt. To, they've experienced sorrow already at being kicked out of the garden and the experience of fall, the fall. But put yourself in Adam's shoes and then the shoes of his sons and his sons' sons. And Jared's shoes, who raised up Enoch in the, the admonition of the Lord. <clears throat> Does anyone know what Enoch means, by the way? I'm pulling out of John Gill's book. It says instructed. Instructed. Trained up. So there we go. There's, there's proof that... Oh, excuse me, what, what Enoch means. Did I ask what Jared means? <laughs> what Enoch means, instructed. Inst presumably instructed by Jared. That time flies. So he was a man who pleased God. He was also a prophet. As we, uh, as we see in the book of Jude. But before we turn there, he names his son a very interesting name, Methuselah. And is anyone familiar with what that has often been translated to mean? Again, Andrew? Okay. And I, I, I'll have to cite this a little better a little later, but John Gill quotes another gentleman. Um, let me get this straight. I don't want to say any words wrong. When he dies is the emission. And, um, and of course, scholars in the meantime can produce dictionaries. Jones Dictionary of the Old Testament proper names. When he dies, it shall be sent. And it so happens, what happened when Methuselah passed away? 969 years. It was. And... So, a prophet. And who, who inspires that? It's not, it's not wit and wisdom and uh, looking, reading the stars. Even though Enoch was known, uh, again, John Gill, taking from his book, was known as one who looked at the stars, and an astronomer. That's what the Arabs knew him as. And he's known for other things throughout history, too. Let's turn to Jude 14. And 15. Actually, we should probably read the entire book. If 
I can get two takers, or one, if somebody's bold enough to read that. It's not a lot, but it's a lot, and you'll find out. We won't talk about most of it. Frank? I want to say amen after I hear that. <laughs> um, who would have thought that this man living in the days of Adam would have prophesied of a coming time, a time that has not yet come? We think of Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. We think of, oh boy, we think of these prophets in the thick of Israel's obedience and disobedience prophesying about a coming Christ. But here is a man who's talking way, way, way before his time and very and in the time or perhaps just after the time of Adam. Uh, there's way too much here, but the fullness of it is worth referencing. Um, I want this to serve as some context as we look into the, the character of Enoch, what we can understand. We have no stories of how he walked with God and we have no narratives of him stumbling in sin. We have no narratives of him being upheld by the power of the Lord through a troubling time, except that we know the Spirit was with him through life, which is itself a troubling time after the fall. We may have a case in point, someone who fits similar description in a different time, not these false teachers after the coming of Christ who mark Christ's name in that way. But uh, let's look to the seventh born sixth uh, in the line of Cain. Seventh born in the line of Cain is a point of contrast. And this is probably the best we can do when it comes, well, I best <laughs> we can do for now, uh, trying to, to contrast and compare to Enoch. I have to find my way there first. Sixth in the line of Seth, that is uh, the more respectable, the son who replaced Abel, and that was Eve's, Eve's solace, if not her joy. Uh, Lamech, sixth in the line of Cain. So um, Genesis 4, verses 23 to 24. Lamech says infamously to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, you lives of Lamech. Listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. What a leader of the family. Any thoughts on this? As a point of contrast to uh, God's God's pronouncements against Cain. Cain's revenge is sevenfold. Is that a misunderstanding of 
God's pronouncement. Is the understanding that the vengeance will be God's? I, I don't know the answer to that. Is that the, uh, the godly expectation? Yeah. What a gross um, attempt at authority. Because who's, is it Lamech's place to even make a pronouncement like that? Yeah. So there you go. That's uh, very striking. Yes. <laughs> That's all right. So he expresses his sentiment to his wives. Um, those are his own flesh. They're supposed to nurture his children. And uh, you see the folly in his words. He talks to them. I mean, wouldn't you think that he would find some macho guys to say this to? And maybe he did but it was, might have been recorded for a different reason. Uh, macho guys who can appreciate this sense of uh, ultimate power, but he says it to his wives. <clears throat> Which he has two. Yes. He's a murderer, and uh, he's brought himself into union with two women. He's playing God, adapting God's protective curse that surrounds Cain. Um, and one thought on this before we move on, does he not fear the greater curse of that same God who said to Cain, and now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. But apparently he's not attentive to that detail, or not really concerned. Uh, we by contrast, <laughs> we don't know Enoch's record, and I can't speak to the grammar of this, this narrative as we hear about how old he is when Methuselah is born and when he walks with the Lord. But his legacy is not one of bold uh, retaliation. 
and following in the way of Cain. Not at all. Before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. <clears throat> Any other thoughts? I know I, I might have missed a couple hands before we go on. So what happens to him at the end of his, his life? What a contrast. No, is <laughs> I Well, we have testimonies in our own congregation of the same sort of story. So that's very plausible. And uh, this walk with God it brings to mind the days of Adam, who walked with God in the, in the garden. But I'll have to ask for greater minds of people who have studied to fully explain what that means. Beyond uh, walking in God's statutes. <clears throat> so Seth's alive when, he, when this man is taken. Do you think Seth had the energy to go out and search for him? servants, and Elisha was insisted on them not looking until he was ashamed. Uh, they look, and he was not found. Elijah, Elijah was not found. We don't know if this translation from earth to heaven was as fantastic, but the son of Adam was alive when he was taken, and the sons, presumably, Becky, I think you have a point there. I want to offer as a, a contrast. First of all, agree. Yeah, you, our population is incredible. And just the, the Israelite population was incredible after 400 years in the days of Egypt, prosperity. We don't know how frequently they had kids, but they had a couple America's worth of years to, to produce children. You've got to wonder just how many there were but they were soon to be gone. <clears throat> yes, he was missed. Was Noah alive at that time? Well, he's a gatekeeper for us, at least Noah and his children. So these stories made their way down, and whatever history was mixed in with the inspiration of God, this account makes its way to us, which is, it's exciting. <laughs> it's an un- unsearched corner of history, one that we won't know about. The days of Enoch and his being taken up. Where was he taken to? He was into God's presence. He was, uh, I want to get this scripture right. God took him. Yeah. He didn't set him in the parlor somewhere. Um, the curse, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God. Or excuse me, that's not the curse. The curse that Adam would return to the dust. Uh, 
this man eludes that. Adam isn't there around to see it and to be in wonder, but um, and he escapes the curse of, or the explanation of Ecclesiastes and the shall the dust return to the earth. This does not happen with this man. Um, he saw no corruption. So we think of Elijah and then you cannot help but think of Christ when you hear this. Um, this is proof of a very important theological um, statement, creed that we have that what is it, the Sadducees disagreed with anybody, <laughs> that Enoch was taken to God. It's, uh, it disproves a running theory in the days of even Jesus himself. Being too mysterious about it, if anyone wants to, Matthew. <laughs> and stretched over the millennia, that we have this picture way back of one man, and then he, God peppers us with another one. And then the third man, you know, the, the final, the man, the new Adam, ends up ascending to heaven too. And, he, and himself sees no corruption, though he died, which is more exceptional. Becky. Neither created nor destroyed. Yes. Take that one and chew on it, physicists. Teresa. We don't see any. It was quite a divine. Well, we, we have the person of Christ who was both man and God, and he did many exceptional things of that nature. I can't, I can't answer that question well, other than we don't have instances of Elijah, perhaps. Well, I'll let Jay, I'll let Jay talk. Mm-hmm. As far as we know, no accounts of it. Mm -hmm.
we can look and and be and find the image endearing. There's a better word for it. Very a, a beautiful image, if the Lord allows us, that Enoch walked with God. And we can we can contrast him to the wickedness. And there's a a picture of God's uh, relationship with him. And that's the sweet part. That's what infuses a, any remembrance of any man with goodness is not his mighty works because his, his ill will, his bad spirit can defame him right away. That can be enough to make a great man look small. But when the Lord is, um, is his friend, that, can, that makes a man, well, it reflects well on the Lord and makes a man an example to follow. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, he did? That's, you know, when you think of that period of history, this, the, the bookends seem to close at the flood and a new story, almost, <laughs> begins post-flood with a lot of the, with similar bad actors and similar sins. But it's, what a stark contrast that this father of the one man and who's, who survived with his sons and their wives was a godly man compared to Lamech, who, you know, gave this legacy to his wives and, you know, wa probably wanted his kids to know that if he had any. Well, he did have, he did have kids. He wanted them to know how impressive he was, but it was sadly ungodly. I want to, uh, to share a brief story. Um, we were in the airport coming back from South Carolina after seeing Pete's, uh, did we see his graduation mom from Marine Boot Camp? We're sitting down waiting for our flight, which is several hours in the future. And Matt and Kim were with us, and they had a flight, a direct flight, straight back home within a half hour to an hour. Well, the, the flight clerk, the attendant at the very front of the the airport and checked our bags and did a couple favors. Got us, got extra bags checked in for free, I'm pretty sure. And uh, we're sitting down, we're finally at our gate, and we see him show up again. And in a whirlwind, he comes to us and changes our booking, takes mine, mom, dad, Liz, Becky, the crew, Peter, and puts us on the earlier flight. We would have. Uh, just like that, got everything changed. And we couldn't do that. We couldn't have begged and pleaded. I'm not sure that, uh, I haven't heard stories of people going up and, and switching flights. It's probably happened, Jay, you guys who travel a little bit. But this man had the authority to take us from one path and destination that we'd paid 
we've been treated to by mom and dad. Hundred uh, tickets, flight, uh, expensive flight, and he just jumped at no cost and put us on a new flight. And it was uh, on behalf of Peter, out of respect for Peter. And I, I like this story as a small contrast because the Lord does the same thing, excuse me, with, with Enoch because Um, Enoch deserved a natural death by, by rights because, you know, the curse was on all men. But um, he didn't experience that. He, he was taken right into the glory of the Lord. And not on his authority, his track record, yes, we know it's good, and we know it wasn't Lamech um, who, you know, who killed a man for slapping him. And he was translated and given a great gift <laughs> um, on another man's account. And who is that man but the Lord Jesus Christ? And Peter is not Jesus Christ. We, uh, we got our flights changed because, because of a man's respect for Peter and his, and his service. But by Christ and his, um, and his perfectness and his, his righteousness, we're gifted as well. Not with, perhaps, Enoch's gift, which is to skip death, but to be taken up to God's presence. All right, my apologies. But it is a, um, and what a picture from the Old Testament. But it's, it's the best picture. It's two in one. But one day we'll eventually be in glory and we'll be able to converse with Enoch and talk about those days. We are right at the edge of time. And there is... There's a lot more here that we're going to miss, a lot more that points towards Christ. I do want to close. With some scripture. We have this man who prophesied, and we never, we didn't get to talk about Jude, which is very, it's our present time. We Enoch prophesied about the coming judgment of the Lord Jesus Christ, which would not happen at his first coming, even though he came not to bring peace, but to divide families against themselves. As he says, there will be five and three will be divided against the two. Some will follow the Lord and some will not. Um, but the second coming that Enoch, by God's power, sees in advance. I want to read from Second Peter chapter 3. Excuse me, and then I'm going to close in prayer. This is Peter writing where he famously uh, stirs on, spurs on the saints to behave after the fashion of Christ. Christ has given his commands, and Christ's apostles have given their commands and are um, strengthening the churches. And he famously calls Paul out, not calls him out, references Paul for his confusing nature. But let me read this, in, this book in its entirety, or this chapter, Second Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 1, if you want to follow along. This is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder 
you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. Sound like Lamech? Sound like Jude? They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. All of them. That's not in the scripture, but since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, that same day spoken of by Enoch, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish, and at peace, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you, according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. All right, I'll close this in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, long has it been since our Lord Jesus Christ went away to prepare a place for us, as he says. And yet, has it not been just a short time as he counts days and years? Do the commands of Jesus Christ stir in ready hearts, our hearts? We who are called to be like men who are waiting for their master to come home, home from the wedding feast and ready to open the door when he comes and when he knocks. May you cause your spirit to quicken us that these commands, these warnings, these cautions, may linger in our breast as though they were just from Christ's own lips and the lips of his apostles and prophets. We rejoice that Christ has gone to prepare a place for us, and we long expect his return. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.